Welcome to the Smith and Steward podcast. I'm Mrs. Smith, but you can call me Ellie, and my mission is to strengthen fellow homemakers as we faithfully steward our homes and the souls inside them. Here, we'll seek inspiration for everyday moments and answers to your questions about all things homemaking, including interior decorating, gardening, cooking and baking, tidying up, and much more. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. Let's get started. Welcome back, homemakers. I hope you're hungry. And yes, I am being punny here because today we're talking about food and helping you learn how to prepare it. So get ready to eat up some basic tips on meal planning and meal prepping. If you've been around homemaking communities or mommy blogs or anything of that sort online for very long, you've probably seen a lot of different opinions, systems, techniques, and whatnot designed to help you meal plan effectively. And that is so great that there's so many resources out there, but let's be honest with each other, it's pretty intimidating too. I know when I first wanted to get into meal planning, which was not that long ago really, I didn't know where to start and I was so nervous that I would do it wrong or get lost in the weeds, so to speak, because there's so many different things you can do when it comes to meal planning and meal prepping. There's marinades and freezer meals and instant pot and crock pot recipes and different recipe boxes and binders and lists. And of course, it's this high pressure thing too. We're talking about feeding our families here. That is not something that can just go by the wayside. Even if you fall short on your meal planning goals, you still have to get something on the table for yourself and your kiddos. So if you're overwhelmed by this big project of meal planning, please hear me. You're not the only one, but it also doesn't have to be that complicated. Today, I want to focus on the basics, like a 101 course, all about where to get started. So if you're new to this, Maybe you're a newlywed or a new mama, or maybe you're just fed up with your current kitchen system. Stick around because I have five basic principles for us to consider that'll help you with meal planning. Principle number one, know what you'll actually eat. Meal planning is not about perfectionism or striving to eat like the person that you want to be. It's supposed to be a tool to help you in the reality of the life that you're living. All the hard work that you'll do planning, purchasing, and prepping these meals and their ingredients will all go out the window if you don't stick to the meal plan, and you're more likely to stick to it if you plan for meals that you and your family enjoy. So I suggest making a master list of favorite recipes. Write down 10 or 20 different things that you love to cook and love to eat. This won't include things that are delicious but complicated, which ought to be saved for special occasions. For example, I like to make beef wellington for my husband's birthday, and that has quickly become a favorite meal, but it's only once a year because it's so complicated. Now, this list also doesn't have to be 20-minute meals either. They can just be regular old yummy basics that you and your family would be happy to eat anytime. The majority of your meal plan for a week should come from this list. It's great to incorporate new things that you want to try or special recipes every once in a while, but like 80% or so should be stuff that is tried and true if you want to set yourself up for success. Now, in my house, I have a list for this, but I also have a recipe box that is super handy, and I think having both can be a huge time saver. So the favorites list is helpful to get meal ideas at a quick glance, but the recipe box or recipe binder or whatever you want to use is helpful because it gives quick access to the actual how-to of the dish when you get to go into the kitchen to make it. 
Have you ever been ready to get to cooking only to discover that you have no idea how to find that Pinterest recipe again? Yeah, me too. And it sucks to forget which app or which cookbook or what text message from your friend had that recipe in it, especially if you're under a time crunch to actually get that meal made that night. And that's why I keep that recipe box. I usually won't write that recipe down until I've actually tasted it first. So if I'm trying something for the first time, I'll keep that recipe open on my internet tab on my phone until I've tried it that once. And then if it's a hit with me and my husband, I'll write it down either that evening or later that week or even the next time that I want to make it. That way I have all my recipes in one place and it's easy to find them again. And I can even thumb through that box for meal ideas if my favorites list is feeling boring too. All right but maybe you're new to cooking and you don't have enough recipes to even begin to make a favorites list. If that's you, hi, I've been there quite recently really, and I'm so glad that you're getting started in the kitchen. You are on your way to being a great cook and the start of your journey is a really cool place to be. So let me give you some tips for when I was in your shoes about two years ago as a newlywed. I had never really cooked before except for special occasions or if I was helping out a family member in their kitchen, and I didn't enjoy it very much. I didn't know what I wanted to make, and I was anything but confident in my skills. I burned lots of toast and chicken fingers, but since I was married and I didn't have just myself to feed anymore, I really wanted to serve my husband good food, so I just took the first step and got started. My dad was the main chef in our house when I was growing up, so I asked him for some family recipes that I remembered him making throughout my childhood. I flipped through the cookbooks that we were given as wedding presents. I looked on Pinterest at all the things that I had saved over the years. But the most helpful thing for me in that season was that I actually signed up for a meal delivery kit. We got a super good discount on a month of meals with some of the stuff on our registry. So I used the coupon and we got shipped three meals a week for four weeks. There was a recipe card that was in each of the meal kits and it always had detailed instructions on how to wash, cut, pat dry, season, and everything else that I didn't know the ins and outs of yet. That guidance was super helpful and having a menu to choose from made my life a little easier by narrowing all my choices and minimizing my overwhelm at decision making at that time. After the discount was over and I used it up after those four weeks, I didn't ever sign back up for that delivery plan, but I kept the app. And because of that, I had free access from then on to all of the recipes that the service had ever made. And that was fantastic. So I used it for something like a year or more. So that's an option you could try as a new cook. I would also highly recommend while you're getting started that you work on trying basic recipes. Learn how to make a decent burger. Perfect your recipe for a favorite casserole. Try a pie. When you get into those online recipes and the fancy magazines and whatnot, there's tons of really creative and unique ideas, but it's often the basics that are the most helpful. I was given one cookbook by my husband's grandmother that is super good for this. It's a Southern staple that some of you may have in your kitchen, and it's got a bright yellow cover, and I'm fairly certain that it's still sold in bookstores after decades of publication. It's called Calling All Cooks, and I'll be sure to link it in the show notes. So after you've equipped yourself with some basics and some favorite recipes, it's time to get planning. So principle number two is to keep an eye on your calendar. 
When you're getting started with meal planning, I recommend doing just one week at a time. I've seen people who will do like only a monthly grocery run, which is crazy to me. And sometimes I'll even rough out with sticky notes, a whole month set of meals, just in case I get too busy to plan those days otherwise. But even then I stay flexible and I'll do a weekly review slash replan. And then of course my weekly grocery run, but just start by doing one week at a time. Just look at that. Even if you do hope to do larger batches eventually, which you don't have to, of course. So in that one week you are going to plan. I want you to look at your schedule, check what events you have on the calendar, especially around dinner time, of course, and see if there's anything that's going to keep you out of the house where maybe you need to pack a dinner or run through a drive through Yes, it's okay for you to plan for that if you want. Or maybe you can make a crock pot meal or something. I also personally like to look at my own schedule for the bulk of the day because if I've had a really hectic and busy work day, I know that I'm going to be worn out and more likely to want to order takeout or something instead of cooking a complicated meal. So on those days, I'll do something that I can throw on a sheet pan into the oven or maybe into a crock pot around lunchtime and that way it's easier on me but dinner is still handled. I also recommend adding at least one day into your schedule that is like a leftover night or a night when you plan to eat at a restaurant for date night or something, so long as your budget has the room, of course. Your goals might differ from mine. Maybe you want to be super strict and stick with like seven dinners at home per week, or maybe you're only ready to do three or four right now. Either way, that's fine, so long as you set your expectations ahead of time. In our house, I like to mark Saturday as leftover night because my husband is a little spontaneous. I'm the planner, as I'm sure you can tell, so we're different and opposites attract, but he likes to have that flexibility every so often to just say, hey, let's go run to this place that we love, or, oh, I've never tried there. Why don't we go out tonight? And by planning for that in advance, it gives us both what we need. It gives me the planned schedule and him that spontaneity. Now, when you're looking at your schedule, you should also set aside a day as your grocery shopping day. It is so helpful to do this on the same day of the week every time as much as you can. So that way you can kind of get into a rhythm and space things out accordingly. Whichever day you choose, and there's no right or wrong one, of course, just make sure that it's a day you have a little more flexibility and a little more room and time for these tasks, especially if you plan to do your shopping in person as opposed to pick up, and especially if you would like to get some meal prepping done when you get home from the store. So after you've identified those key dates, like when you'll get your groceries and which nights need that low energy or crock pot meal, then you have the option of creating day categories in order to help you come up with some ideas more easily. Now I'm talking about stuff like Taco Tuesday, Meatless Monday, Freezer Friday, etc. And this is absolutely not required, but I thought it was a fun idea for helping guide your planning a little bit if you want. Of course, there's tons of room for creativity in what you plan, and you don't have to be boxed in by categories like this. But I personally find that it's a whole lot easier to guide my thinking with stuff like this. So I can narrow down my choices to Hispanic meals or pasta or something rice-based, and that helps keep me from getting overwhelmed by all the possible options of food. Next comes principle number three. You're actually going to plan the meals. Wow, super simple, right? I guess I'll just leave it there. Episode over. You're all set. I'm kidding, of course, but it really is simple. Once you've equipped yourself with that list of recipes and you've checked your calendar to see what's going on, the next thing is to plug those recipes in for different dates. So you can select the crockpot recipe that you need for Wednesday when the girls have cheer practice and make a choice for whatever Asian food you'll do on Thursday or whatnot. 
even with how simple this can be, don't worry, I still have some pointers to get into the details of all of it. Now you should also remember that there are other meals beside dinner too. I personally only like to do these big plans for that evening meal, and we will talk about breakfast, lunch, and even snacks a little bit shortly. But Perhaps you have a lot of kiddos that need to pack a lunch every weekday. Also, remember that expectation that you set earlier. How many meals a week are you planning for? If it's just four, that's a great place to start. Just make sure you've got those right numbers on your plan. When it comes to your actual plan and choosing days for each of the meals, I want to share this thought with you, and that is just flexibility. Some of you might do better by sticking to a strict day-to-day schedule where you select one meal for Monday and another one for Tuesday and so on, but others of you might like the flexibility of just making a list generally of meals for the week, and you'll prep those groceries for those meals, and then you can day of pick a meal from the list that you'll eat that day. I strive to do the former of these two where I have something selected for every single day, But sometimes I fall into doing more of the latter, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, as long as it doesn't become an easy way for you to opt out of sticking to your meal plan altogether. If you notice yourself tending to change your mind and maybe order pizza instead, which I have done pretty often, (laughs) then maybe you need to schedule a little bit more strictness with yourself and stick to those dates that you originally planned for instead. Another option that you can opt to try if you want to is to plan to prep some freezer meals. Now, this is an idea that is just there as an emergency parachute for maybe a day where you thought you had an essential ingredient, but you don't, or maybe you burned the planned meal beyond recognition, or it just does not taste edible and you can't eat it for the life of you. I should note, I have done both of these things in the past two years and have had to make a secondary dinner in both cases. Or maybe you suddenly got sick. There's lots of times where something like that can pop up, and in those scenarios, Think about how fantastic it would be to have something prepped and ready to go in the freezer already. All you have to do is pull it out and heat it up and you are good to go. Maybe it's a lasagna or a casserole or a marinated chicken or just whatever freezer meal idea that you find online. Now my goal is to one day have a stock of several freezer meals, hopefully in a big old deep freezer out in our garage, but right now the only freezer that I have access to is just the regular sized one in our refrigerator unit, and that may very well be you listening too. Don't worry, I can almost guarantee, unless you pack your freezer as tightly and full as some of my family does, you are probably going to be able to fit one or two little prepped meals into your freezer someplace. It could serve you very well if you can, and if not, hey, you can still meal plan really effectively. This is just a good backup emergency parachute idea, and if you'll want to do it, planning for one meal per week to shop for and prep and freeze is an easy way to get started little by little. So if you want to try it, just add that to your meal plan in this step. Once you've chosen your meals, and be sure to write them down so you don't forget them, Keep the meal list or dinner schedule or whatever you want to call it someplace in your kitchen so you can easily access it. Maybe it's going to be on your phone. Maybe it'll be on paper in a drawer or you'll tape it to the fridge. For me, I have a dry erase weekly calendar right next to the stove area that is just a magnet on the refrigerator. But wherever you put it, this is going to help keep it really easy for you to stick to those meals that you've planned instead of accidentally forgetting them. I would also recommend keeping the recipes nearby like we talked about earlier. I keep mine in that recipe box that I mentioned and I think I got it at Hobby Lobby and they sell packs of recipe cards that can go inside that you can always buy more of. So I'll try to add a link to that or something similar at least in the show notes as well. 
Alrighty, so you've set your expectations, you've put together a list of favorite recipes, you checked your schedule, you planned your meals for your week. Now, principle number four is to go get the groceries. Obviously, we have to start by making a grocery list. I like to pull out those recipe cards from my little box for all of the meals that I have planned that week, and I'll make a mental note or maybe write down all the ingredients that they call for. Then I cross off all of the things that I already have in my fridge and in my pantry. And by the way, I recommend actually putting your eyes on these things or putting your hands on them because it's so easy to think that you have something and then realize later that week that you actually do not have it, which sucks. After you've crossed off what you already have in stock, the remaining needed items from that ingredient list can get added to your grocery list. Now, my shopping list is something that I just keep on my fridge. I have one of those little magnetic lined pads of paper, and throughout the week, I actually add to it whenever I notice that we're out of a staple ingredient. It's kind of nice to have a system for those staple items so that you are never out of them, whatever those basic ingredients are that you use for pretty much everything. And the way that I do this is I have one backup for every regularly used condiment or whatnot. So for example, if I have ketchup and I use the last of it, I'll open the new bottle that I have stocked in the pantry and then I will write ketchup on my grocery list. That way I'm never without something that I really need throughout the week. But maybe you are, again, really new to this and you have no idea what your staple pantry and fridge items are. Don't worry, I have been there too. And there are definitely some helpful lists on Pinterest and elsewhere online that give you ideas of pantry staples or basic foods to keep on hand. But you should know they aren't universal and sometimes they can be kind of overwhelming to read too. So what I would recommend is that you keep track for about a month or two what things you regularly use, whether it's condiments like ranch dressing or mayonnaise, or maybe eggs and sausage for breakfast, or maybe you're like me and you cook with panko breadcrumbs a lot. When you begin to notice that you use something like at least every other week and it's not something that goes bad quickly like produce, then that is something that might be important to keep on hand. Now, this is the time in the episode that I wanted to briefly talk about breakfast, lunch, and snacks a little bit more too. So for our house, those first two meals of the day often consist of either repeated foods or leftovers. My husband, for example, eats a bagel with strawberry cream cheese for breakfast every single day and his lunch is usually either leftovers or like a ham sandwich or a quesadilla or something. Our snacks are pretty basic too so I always know that I want to keep sunflower seeds and dark chocolate chips on hand and I also need to have those bagels and cream cheese on my grocery list every week too. So of course these things might shift over time. For example, I get really into eating like one lunch for a month or two at a time and then I'll get burnt out on it and I have to switch to something else. So right now I eat a bagel for, for lunch, I know, but I put peanut butter on top and then banana and I drizzle a little bit of honey and it is a nice light lunch with protein and it's filling and I have been eating it for about three weeks. I'll probably get bored of it soon and have to switch to something else. But right now, that's my staple. I have the peanut butter. I always buy bananas. And after they shift, it's okay to change stuff up. And I'll at that time shift the staples. But I want to note, you don't want to ever have too many types of staples on hand at a time. It would be really easy to stock up on stuff that would go bad and not get eaten, even if it's in the pantry. So like I used to have all kinds of different wheat thins and pretzels and tortilla chips and whatnot that I would keep in the pantry and I wouldn't eat most of them. I would get in a rut where I loved pretzels for snacks or then I would want the wheat thins, but I wouldn't ever want them all at the same time. And even if I did, 
something was going to go stale when I had all those options sitting there. So now I try to do a little bit less of variety when it comes specifically to snacks and focus on the basics that I know I'm going to eat all the time. I would love to do another episode later on about a prepped pantry in more detail, talking about long-term food storage for emergencies and for regular use. But the big essential to think about when you are deciding your food staples is to stock what you eat and to eat what you've stocked. If you buy something and you notice you don't eat it before it expires or goes bad, maybe don't buy that type of food again, at least for a while. So you've built out your grocery list. It has ingredients for this week's meals and staples to keep on hand regularly. Now it's time to go actually buy the things. But wait, it's not yet. Before you can do that, it is super important to know your budget. Saving money might not be your main goal with meal prepping, but it's still super important to be a wise steward of your family's finances. And that is often what many people's focus is for doing their meal planning. So it's important to know what your limit is. Can you spend $300 when you go today or should it be more like 50? In our house, my husband handles the finances and he puts together our budget. So because of that, I've gotten a little bit out of the trenches, so to speak, when it comes to knowing where our money goes dollar by dollar. But since I'm the one that does the grocery shopping, I make sure to stay in communication with him about this. So I'll check in and I'll see what the weekly bill needs to be. Our current goal is to do about $100 a week for groceries for the two of us. And I've been told that that is a good place to start for two people about $400 monthly, and that for every additional person in your family, you should try to add about $50 to your monthly budget. Now, granted, I heard that tip at least three or four years ago, and prices have skyrocketed since then, but I thought it still might be helpful for y'all to hear some numbers in any case. So just take those with a grain of salt, and of course, decide your own finances based on your own budget. If y'all have been doing your own grocery shopping, especially recently, you know how hard it is to actually stick to that budget. And because of that, I have a few tips that I want to share to just help you out. The first one is start by using what you already have. I've talked about this before already, but if you bought it, use it. Take inventory of your fridge and pantry regularly, whether it's the once a week when you do your meal planning, or maybe you have a larger purge and clean out at the end of every month, but just Clear out what's expired. Make that mental note not to buy that thing for a while since you clearly weren't very eager to eat it. My second tip, and this is probably the thing that has saved me the most money, order your groceries online instead of shopping in person. Let me tell y'all, I know I said a second ago that I aim for about $100 a week right now, but I used to average like twice that. I think we spent over $700 a month on groceries pretty regularly when I first got married. And that was just for me and my husband. We don't have any kids. It's just the two of us. So when my husband pointed that out to me going through our bills, I was shocked. I was shocked. And it made me take more serious stock of what I was actually doing in the grocery store. And there were some other ways that I cut back on my bill, but the one that had the most impact was when I eventually switched to ordering my groceries through the app and just picking them up at the side of the store. And the first time that I did this was actually just because I needed to save some time. I had a busy week or something. And this is a huge benefit to grocery pickup too, is that you can save time because I used to be in the store for probably an hour every week. But the big reason that I love it now is because you can see your total before you get to the checkout. 
it's a rolling total at the top of the corner of your app. So I notice that if my bill is going to be more than my budget of $100, I can go back to my list and take off some of those items that aren't essential, or I can try to find a better deal for something. Also, I'm able to easily compare prices and ingredients and everything all straight in the app instead of having to find various options in the store itself. I'm also doing it from the comfort of my home when I'm in a good brain space, so I'm not decision fatigued. My third and final tip for actually sticking to your budget is to stick to your meal plan. Now, we've said this before too, but the best way that you can not throw your money away is to not throw the food that you bought it with away. And that means trying to not let your leftovers go uneaten, which I struggle with. And it means not letting your produce rot before you use it, letting the bread go moldy or the chips go stale or whatever. I've done it all. So there's no judgment if you've done these things too. But the reality is that when this happens, we're wasting our money. So if you plan to eat something this week, actually follow through and do cook it. So I'm not very good at eating leftovers, like I said, and my husband's not either. I do send leftovers with him for his lunch a lot, so they'll get eaten then because that's what he has on hand. But I also try really hard to eat them for my lunch too, but it's really hard. We just are not leftover peoples. So because of that, I have changed to where I try not to cook something that has a lot of extra portions. I'll only make a serving size big enough for the two of us to eat that night, and that way there's not any leftovers that'll go to waste. Some of y'all might be great at eating leftovers, and that's awesome because you can probably double your recipe and save some of it for later and save yourself some time in the kitchen, but that's just not me and my husband, and that's okay. All right, one more principle to go, y'all. You've got your recipe list, you planned your meals, you bought the groceries now, and when you get home, it's time for principle number five, put away and prep. You may have seen these really pretty pictures and satisfying videos of people decanting their groceries into their fridge and pantry, and I love looking at these, but I never thought that I would actually benefit from doing it until I realized this is actually a great idea for a lot of other reasons besides just how it looks. If you get your food out of that bright and catchy packaging and place it into other containers, probably clear so that you can see what food you have at a glance, then you can hopefully avoid food waste a lot more easily. You'll be able to fit more things into your smaller pantry if you, like me, have a small pantry. And you can also potentially help your produce to last longer depending how you store it. I'm still not to the point where I'm doing this step in my own kitchen yet, but it is something that I would love to and I plan to implement. And the number one reason for that is because produce fades so fast and I'm not good at actually eating it, especially the kinds that I buy as a healthy snack. If I wash the grapes and keep them in water in the fridge, for example, how much more likely would I be to eat them on a random afternoon and how much longer would they last me too? So if you want to learn more about how to do this, I recommend doing some research online and figuring out different decanting strategies specifically for produce, hopefully before uh, later maybe prepped pantry episode that I referenced earlier. I might be able to try some of those methods out and be able to share more with you then. Now, if you're going to do this, while you're at it and you're washing that produce and putting it in a longer lasting storage container, hopefully something that's glass, then it might be helpful to go ahead and prep some of that other stuff too. And by prep, I mean chop some things, dice some things, maybe saute some things if you have to. Now, all of that, of course, depends on what meals you have coming up that week. And maybe instead of taking the afternoon of your grocery day to meal prep, you might just prep some of that chopping onions or shredding cheese for dinner while you're getting ready for lunch that afternoon. 
getting some of these ingredients ready earlier is going to give you a little bit more time and a little bit more simplicity when that dinner rush comes. One thing that I like to keep on hand sometimes is some shredded chicken, and I'll use that for an easy lunch option or a backup dinner making like a quesadilla or maybe a pesto panini or something. But there's so many different ways to do meal prepping at different levels of effort and preparedness. If you're going to do that more in-depth meal prepping, when you're actually putting together lunches, dinners, etc., all in one afternoon, I would recommend doing it that same day that you're going to grocery shop just because things are already defrosted and out on the counter. But of course, there's other options too. Maybe you'll prep kiddos lunches on a Sunday afternoon and package them all up in the fridge beforehand so it'll make the morning so much easier. Or maybe like me, you work from home, but you kind of struggle with decision fatigue. So you're on a diet and you want to go ahead and prep all those things beforehand so that you're not tempted to eat something easy and quick as opposed to what's healthy and part of your diet plan. Another idea is perhaps to get a marinade going for tomorrow night's dinner while you cook for tonight. That's a great idea to optimize your time in the kitchen while you're already in there. Maybe something's in the oven or on the stovetop that doesn't need constant attention and you can focus on the later meal while you're in there. And that's all folks. Five principles for simple basic meal planning. As you can tell, there is a lot more that could go into all this and a lot of the options that you could choose to try or not try at this stage in your meal planning journey. But the good news is it does not have to be complicated. You can keep it simple. One, know what you'll actually eat. Two, take a look at your calendar. Three, make a plan for which meals you'll eat when. Four, write down a grocery list and stick to it while you're shopping. And five, decant and prep your ingredients after you bring them home. But remember, the main thing when you're trying to tackle meal planning, regardless of whether you're new and just learning it or you've been doing it for years, is to know what your main focus is. It's likely to be one of three things, saving money, saving time, or eating healthy. Now, sure, we might want to do all of these three things while we're meal planning, and you can sure try, but getting an optimal result for all of those is just not realistic, especially if you're just getting started. So I recommend choosing one of these goals to pay attention to during this season and to gear all your meal planning decisions around that main focus. If your main focus is to save money, then you'll probably want to buy more in bulk, maybe prep more freezer meals, use things that you already have, only cook meals that you know you'll eat. Maybe you'll shop more sales and maybe you'll search for ingredients that are inexpensive rather than being more healthy. If your main focus is to save time, then you'll probably want to use the online order and pickup method for your groceries. Maybe you'll cook multiple servings at once to cut your kitchen time in half. Or maybe you'll batch all of your lunches and breakfasts together and make them all at once. And finally, if your main focus is to eat healthy, then you'll probably need to spend a little more money to get those better ingredients. You might want to choose whole foods and eat smaller portions. And then, of course, only buy things that are part of your diet instead of stocking your pantry with little treats. I hope these things are helpful for you to hear, homemakers. Remember to start small, walking before you run. There's lots of things that you can try implementing once you get the hang of the basics, but I recommend starting where you know you can be successful so that you can build the habits that you want to have before you build on top of them. Be encouraged that the intentionality you're showing in just listening to this episode is a huge step in the right direction toward nourishing yourself and your family well. I pray that the preparing work you'll do as part of your meal planning system will ease your workload, both physically and mentally, and that you would really begin to enjoy the process of getting food on the table if you don't love it already. 
I personally have fallen in love with cooking way more than I ever expected. The more that I do it, the more I love it, which makes me think of a quote that I want to leave y'all with today. I've shared this one on my Instagram before, but I want to share it again here because I think it's such a beautiful reminder of the fun that we can have as homemakers in this area of our role. Julia Child said, the more you know, the more you can create. There's no end to imagination in the kitchen. I hope you'll remember that, friends, that cooking is a creative task and one that you can enjoy doing. Her words help me to know that we will all get better at this art of cooking and art of homemaking the more that we practice. As we go along, the more we try, the more we'll learn, and the more we know, the more we'll be able to create. Now it is time for Stuart Sparkers, the part of the show where I share recipes, books, influencers, products, whatever it is that has sparked inspiration for me as a homemaker this week. This week's Stuart Sparker is a little different. It's not an influencer or anything like that. It is just something that has honestly been inspiring me so much when I've been in the kitchen specifically. And that is a vintage autumn playlist that I found on Spotify. I'll see if I'm able to link that in the description below, but if not, definitely look up just any vintage playlist, specifically seasonal ones on your Spotify or Pandora or whatever music uh, platform that you listen on because for me at least I just feel such a sense of calm listening to this type of music it's something that has a lot of nostalgia it's something that I connect with memories to my grandmother and I just imagine her in the kitchen with me maybe we're dancing around and she's no longer with us so that's a really sweet memory to hold on to I try to just channel that love that I know she had for her family um, when I am cooking, whether it's a pie like the one that I have on my Instagram that you can find the recipe for my ham and cheese pie, or it's her pumpkin pie that I plan to make at this Thanksgiving with my mom, which is my mom's favorite. I just really have a sense of love and family that is kind of emphasized and enhanced by the music that I'm listening to. So I don't know if you like to listen to music or podcasts when you're cooking, but I certainly do. And that is my recommendation for this week is a seasonal vintage playlist. And with that, friends, it's time to close today's episode. Thank you for joining me for this chapter of the Smith & Stewart podcast. If you enjoy this show, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, which has the largest listener base, or on your favorite podcatcher app. If there was a resource we discussed today that you'd like to learn more about, check out the show notes in the details section of this episode. And until next time, keep up with us by following us on Instagram at Smith and Steward. See you soon. Thank you.